Be there for the adventure on NBC. You won't believe your eyes. How you doing? This is Mr. Smith, and tonight I fall in love. She's a weather girl on a local TV show, and I ask uh, Raymond to arrange a rendezvous with her. Mr. Smith, I have the honor of presenting Miss Veronica. Unfortunately, the uh, course of true love doesn't run too smooth. Especially when Bobo gets ideas of his own. An anthology about the bad, the short-lived, and the forgotten shows and events in television history. This is It Was a Thing on TV. Punisher! Control! Hey, before I change my mind! I give you Super Train! Episode 411. Submission number 002B, Mr. Smith Revisited. Mr. Smith originally aired on the NBC television network from September 23rd of 1983 through December 16th of 1983 for a total of 13 episodes. Three less than Uncle Croc's Block, The Hudson Brothers Razzle Dazzle Show, J.J. Starbuck, schooled and the number of aired episodes of salvage one plus many many other tv shows eventually i'll get around to figuring that out and i should note one of which went unaired but okay let's do it live here is the theme which we didn't have in the first episode of mr smith Now, guys, this shot of Bobo here in the opening sequence with the red hat and the tire around his neck or inflatable tube. I don't know what that is. It's black, it's round, it's donut shaped, and it's connected to a string. That is definitely a tire. All right, let's just put it out here. Bobo as himself, that is the alternate cover art. And in case uh, Greg didn't really, he implied it, Bobo actually got a credit, at least in this episode, Bobo as himself. Bobo could have been a star. Imagine this show lasted longer than 13 weeks and we got a Bobo spinoff. Well, Greg, if Bobo got his own spinoff show, then Leonard Fry 
would have appeared more often on the second half of Match Game Hollywood Squares' life. Oh, yeah, after Gallagher smashed the watermelon. Imagine the what-if scenario we've created if Gallagher smashed the watermelon. There's so many what-ifs here. What if Gallagher smashed the watermelon? What if Bobo got his own TV show? What if people actually watched this? I'm so sad, people of 1983. You should have watched this. Well, again, and we talked about this the first time we talked about it, there were promos for Mr. Smith where he encouraged people to call a 900 number at 50 cents a crack. Hey, you want to laugh? Call me at 1-900-40-SMITH, and I'll tell you about my terrific new show, Mr. Smith. Cut. Is that sincere enough for you? And this hotline garnered 160,000 phone calls. So clearly somebody wanted to see it or a number of people wanted to see it. Be kind of funny if it was the same person calling 160,000 times, but that's conceivable given, you know, the ultimate ending to this show that it just petered out after 13 weeks and much promotion, not just on NBC, but also again, Leonard Fry from Mr. Smith on Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour. So I'm going to go back and we're going to do this the way we did it in episode two. I have the 1983 TV Guide Fall Preview issue with the capsule about Mr. Smith. And this should paint a nice, beautiful picture about the show itself. The star of the series, Mr. Smith, has an IQ of 256, plays chess, and writes treatises on thermonuclear dynamics. Well, as Alfred Hitchcock might say, you can imagine how the producers had to scour Hollywood for an actor who could simulate intelligence. The result of their search is pictured at right. Mr. Smith is a talking orangutan who, in an ambitious attempt to make Washington even funnier than it is, works as a special consultant to the U.S. government, helping out with little problems like MX missile policy. With a premise like that, it's safe to assume we'll hear a monkey joke or two. And in parentheses, Mr. Smith works for Peanuts. As our hairy hero copes with his dumb but likable owner, Tommy, played by Tim Dunnigan, Tommy's little sister, Ellie, played by Laura Jacoby, a pretty psychologist, Tracy, and a punctilious liaison man, Raymond, played by Leonard Fry. Raymond is on the prickly side, but who wouldn't be playing second banana to an ape? So that's like the Cliff Notes version. Mr. Smith is an orangutan. He's got a big IQ and he's going to change Washington. Boy, haven't we heard that for decades. They're going to change Washington, and it's the same thing as uh, it ever was. Two many jokes well art imitates life if you will no joke and actually i do have an article here regarding mr smith from tom shales uh it's called an orangutan for all seasons this mr smith and this is from september 2nd of 1983 ed weinberger looks scruffy and disheveled but then he had just spent the night chasing a monkey up and down the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. Actually, as he was quick to correct, it is not a monkey, but an orangutan, the star of the new NBC comedy series, Mr. Smith, that will air Friday nights on the network this fall. Like Stan Daniels, the other executive producer of Mr. Smith, 
Weinberger helped write and produce two of the best and most adult comedies in TV history, The Mary Tyler Moore Show and Taxi, as well as the short-lived but exceptionally witty ABC series, The Associates. What are these guys doing monkeying around with an orangutan? And a talking one at that, because the premise of the show is that Mr. Smith can speak, has an IQ of 256, and works on government research in the nation's capital. That last part isn't too hard to swallow. Is this another sign of how far TV has sunk or what? I know, it sounds like something Fred Silverman might order you to do, said Weinberger, whose yellow socks were falling down. But it's not. I thought it would be fun to do. I don't want it to be anything less than anything I've ever done. In fact, I want it to be more because of the eyebrows that are raised when people hear the premise. I haven't lost any sense of what I think good television should be, Weinberger said. Or good comedy, anyway. And that's good relationships, good stories, intelligent stuff that doesn't look down at its audience. Somebody should just run over me with a truck. No, that sounds like Valley Girl talk. Somebody should castigate me if I don't maintain these things. There's more to the article, but that's the, uh, the general gist of it. So before we move on, why are we doing this now? The main reason is because, as I mentioned at the top of the show, this coming Saturday, the 23rd, is the 40th anniversary of Mr. Smith's debut. And I thought it would be appropriate if we actually held off on Mr. Smith revisited until the anniversary. Good timing and all. So here we are talking about Mr. Smith. And now that we've seen some of it, Greg played a little bit of a preview of an episode in the cold open. And as Greg mentioned, we now have the theme because somebody on YouTube, bless their heart, in the last nine months or so, uploaded, I believe, seven episodes of Mr. Smith, or at least parts of seven episodes, because I know that uh, taking a look at some episodes today, there's at least one which is incomplete, was missing the open in the first few minutes. But there are a number of complete episodes up there. Thank you to that person. Well, we're going to talk about the people behind Mr. Smith. I think the first person we need to talk about is Mr. Smith himself. Because the orangutan who played Mr. Smith actually had a pretty long career, a pretty popular career. He went by the name C.J. the orangutan, and among his credits, not even joking, C.J. the orangutan's IMDb has known for, like you'd see uh, for an actor or an actress best known for, an orangutan has a best known for. He was on an episode of The Love Boat, actually in 1986, so three years after this, an episode of T.J. Hooker, The Fall Guy, Hill Street Blues, Tarzan the Ape Man from 1981, but maybe most popularly, the Clint Eastwood movie, Any Which Way You Can, back in 1980. He was Clyde. I think that the critic made fun of uh, Clyde. Definitely made fun of uh, Any Which Way You Can. So the critic sort of had a kind of sort of tribute to Mr. Smith or to C.J. the orangutan. Now, hold on a second. I got a funny story about the whole any which way, but was any which way you can't think. So related to this, 
a studio executive was reading Bob Zemeckis and Bob Gale's script for Back to the Future back in the early 80s. And Doc Brown's pet dog, Einstein, was actually originally like a chimp. And the executive said, you should change it to a dog because any movie that has a chimp does not make money. And Zemeckis and Gale answered back, but what about any which way but loose? The executive said, that was an orangutan, not a chimp. And playing the voice of Mr. Smith, and we mentioned this person just a few minutes ago in that Tom Shales interview, is Ed Weinberger. Renowned, primarily as a producer and a writer. Gosh, where could we start with uh, what he's done outside of Mr. Smith? Wrote many episodes of Taxi, wrote a number of episodes of the Mary Tyler Moore Show, was the writer and creator of the Mr. Black Show, the one that premiered in 1984. You know who we're talking about. But his name in the 80s and 70s was everywhere. Amen. He created Amen. We talked about him previously because he created Mr. President. So needless to say, a great entity, if you will. He's done many successful things. Maybe not in front of the camera. Well, I mean, he wasn't really in front of the camera here, per se. He was a voice, but still a very well-known name giving a voice to Mr. Smith. You know who was almost the voice of Mr. Smith? Wallace Shawn. Really? Yeah. Yes. From Clueless and The Princess Bride. Now, wait a second. I'm sorry. Wallace Shawn as Mr. Smith? I can picture it in my head. Well, so can I. And I can hear that voice in my head. I don't know. I mean, that is intriguing. I can buy it. But also, when I hear Wallace Shawn, the first thing that comes to my mind is Bertram, Stewie Griffin's twin brother on that one episode of Family Guy. And that voice almost works perfectly for Mr. Smith to a point. I'm really thinking that might work. Just, I'm sorry, Ed Weinberger's voice for Mr. Smith here is kind of blasé. Maybe it's just me. It sounds disinterested. According to IMDb, Wallace Shawn was originally set to voice Mr. Smith, and he changed his mind when he realized that if he died during production, his last project would be that of a talking orangutan. (laughs) Wait, that's the rationale why he didn't take this job? Because his last role would have been as a talking orangutan? I mean, don't get me wrong. Absolute legend when it comes to the Princess Bride. One of the great voices, one of the great characters in movie and television. And he was concerned that if he died, which he wouldn't have been that old at the time, that his legacy would be the voice for an orangutan. I don't know. I'm not buying that. But also at the same time, you know, good thing he didn't take it because... Yeah, if this actually lasted a while, he might not have been in The Princess Bride. Boy, that's optimistic, me thinking that Mr. Smith could have lasted four years, but just throwing that out there. Hold on, I have a great idea. What if Andre the Giant voiced Mr. Smith? 
the silence for the last 10 seconds has been very deafening. Mr. Smith voiced by Andre the Giant. Hey, Bobo, anybody want a peanut? I'm just happy to say that Wallace Shawn is not dead as of this recording. No, thank heavens. Like I said, he's a treasure. Absolutely. I'm now trying to get Andre the Giant voicing Mr. Smith out of my head. Thank you, Greg. Let's remember, I'm the son of the guy that put the Rams uniforms in 2018. Looked like they were in a commercial for Honey Nut Cheerios. Like father, like son. Oh, my gosh. All right, let's get away from that. Let's actually get to the human cast members. Starting off with Raymond Holyoke. We talked about him earlier. Leonard Fry. I would say known more for his stage work than his television acting or even movie acting. He did win an Oscar for uh, his portrayal of Motel in Fiddler on the Roof in 1971. And among other shows that he was on, uh, he was on Best of the West. I know that's on the list uh, in 1981-82. Oh, my gosh. What would have happened if Best of the West actually got more than, like, two seasons? We wouldn't have Leonard Fry on Mr. Smith. And also, we wouldn't have Mino Pucci on Voyagers. Oh, my gosh. This is the whole butterfly effect. If one or two dominoes goes a different way, television is just changed forever. And if I'm not mistaken, we would also not have Joel Higgins on Silver Spoons. That's right. He was on that show. That would just be a nightmare scenario, guys. But what if Salvage 1 lasted more than those 16 aired episodes? Then, you know what? You wouldn't even be talking about Joel Higgins on Silver Spoons or Best of the West. He'd be on Salvage 1 trying to find moon junk. Or not, because remember... They only traveled to space, what, twice? Three times? And the they series? didn't get any moon junk, right? No. And where are you going to keep the moon junk? Like you said, you should have shot the moon junk into the sun. Problem solved. You know what they should have done? I got an idea. They should have, like, Katamari Damacy style. They should have given it to like some high overlord and had like a ball of junk in this guy's hand and he just shoots it to outer space and creates a new planet. You'd have to be pretty drunk first. Oh, wait, this is the king of the cosmos. He is already pretty drunk. Katamari Damacy, one of the best games ever. Don't fight me on this. But about uh, Leonard Fry, he was also, and I know this is on the list, he was on the show Mr. Sunshine. We got to cover that one day. The 1986 Mr. Sunshine, not the Matthew Perry Mr. Sunshine. No, no, the 1986 one, correct. The one where he played a professor. Playing Tommy, who we said was the owner of Mr. Smith. Yeah, I could believe it, but if you watch the episodes, it seems like Leonard Fry is more the owner than Tommy Atwood, essentially. Is Tim Dunnigan. Tim Dunnigan, this isn't a good sign. Tim Dunnigan, among his known four things, Mr. Smith is listed. So you know what that tells me? He didn't have that much of a career. Well, hold on. He was the original face in the pilot for the A-Team, but we did talk about him before because we talked about him in uh, Captain Power, right, Chico? Captain Power and the Soldiers of the Future, yes. He That's was right. Captain Power. He was Captain Power, but now, Mike, I know you missed 
our whole ramble, but we found out that when they planned to remake the show, that it was a giant scam on Park with the Intellivision and Nico. And you missed our whole preamble, Mike, about how Chico was at one of those Tommy Tower Rico video games live things. And he this was the, in my defense, this was before I knew how big of a scumbag he was. Oh, yeah, definitely. And let's remember, you did get tickets free from Reward the Fan, so you didn't pay money for that. Rest in peace, Reward the Fan. Now, Chico saw the Intellivision Miko and said to himself, what the f*** is this? That's exactly what I said. I don't remember this. Was I uh, in a hospital? No, I think you had a nosebleed or something. You missed that part. We may have to do a Captain Power revisit. No, no, we're fine. No, 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 don't, don't, no, no. We don't need to revisit. No. No, no, we could be doing revisited episodes for the next 400 shows. No, no. We'll never touch that again. Yeah, some things are best left untouched. And remember, he was recast because he looked too young to be a Vietnam War veteran. True story. So he ended up on Mr. Smith instead. Playing the little sister Ellie Atwood is Laura Jacoby. And again, just like Tim Dunnigan on the IMDb known for is Mr. Smith. So again, that tells me she didn't have much of a career. And actually, just taking a look at her uh, IMDb really fast, she was on one episode of many things. Uh, actually, two episodes of uh, Punky Brewster. Oh. But taking a look here, uh, I see her on TJ Hooker, Hotel, Helltown, Future Installment, Highway to Heaven, Night Court, Family Ties, The Magical World of Disney, CBS Story Break, Mr. Belvedere, and Parker Lewis Can't Lose. So she's been around, if you will. By the way, the episode of uh, A Magical World for Greg's Edification, Little Spies, with Mickey Rooney and Robert Costanzo, and a young Candace Cameron Bure, who we don't talk about. We talked about the psychologist earlier in the TV Guide capsule, and we have a name for her. It's Dr. Judy Tyson, played by Terry Garber. Oh, thank heavens, I'm looking at the IMDb. She's not given credit as known for Mr. Smith. Ha. Oh, thank God. It wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> she was known, however, for As the World Turns 120 episodes from 2005 to 2010. And Leslie Carrington on Dynasty in the 1987-88 seasons. So that would be what? Second to last season of Dynasty? Or second to last and final season of the Dynasty? Did it end like around 89? I think so. Yes, it did end in 89. Okay, so she was probably on like season 7 and 8 or 8 and 9, something like that. She was also on 98 later episodes of Santa Barbara, the 1991-1992 years. So that would be pretty late in Santa Barbara's run. That would have been like, again, 8th season, ninth season. And Playing Dr. Klein was Stuart Margolin. Stuart Margolin, besides Mr. Smith, well-known for 37 episodes of The Rockford Files. 
He was also in the Westworld sequel, Future World. The one that we pretend does not exist. You know who else was in Future World, Chico? Alan Ludden and Betty White. And one more credit I want to mention for him, just because I love saying this. He was on a mind-blowing 29 episodes of the original Love American Style. Better than the new Love American Style, but we still think the new Love American Style is absolutely okay. Okay. It's all right. Nothing to write home about. So those are your particulars who show up in most of the shows. Now we can actually get into uh, an episode guide of shows that we've seen partially uh, to some extent. So we're not just going blind here. We've seen all these shows or a number of these shows. And the first one is called Welcome to Washington Part 1. Boy, I wonder what that's about. Maybe Mr. Smith is going to Washington? I don't know. An accident turns an orangutan into an intelligent, talking employee of a Washington Research Institute where he is aided by a personal secretary. So this is like the Genesis episode, or as Chico would say, the expository episode, sort of setting all the background. And you kind of see it in the opening of the show, because Mr. Smith is crawling around the laboratory. He gets like this potion, and he's like, oh, I'm going to drink this potion. And then he all of a sudden becomes the smartest ape in mankind. Or is it ape kind? Whatever. Let's just say Mr. Smith becomes super smart now, and he can talk. We do have at least one name in this episode. Unfortunately, no character name, but as a person we've talked about, Edward Winter. He played Colonel Flagg and Captain Halloran on seven episodes of MASH. He also played Mr. Crawford on Herman's Head. We've talked about him. Uh, Oh, I see where we talked about him, actually. He played Mr. Burke on an episode of Saved by the Bell, The College Years. Yep, he was uh, married to Gloria Loring, Robin Thicke's mama. He was also on an episode of Misfits of Science, another place we talked about him. I thought we talked about him more recently than that. Oh, now I see where we talked about him. He played Buck Fulton on two episodes of Salvage One. I knew we talked about him in the not-so-distant past. Hey, another Salvage One reference. Let's go for the record. Also in this episode, again... No character name is Philip Sterling. Among the roles that he had, he was on 21 episodes of the show Sisters as Truman Ventner. Guys, hold up. I made a discovery about Terry Gorber just now. She was in an episode in 1990 of Jake and the Fat Man. Was that the episode where he told people that uh, he can't have cheese that does something to him? I'm pretty sure it was. But interestingly enough, Terry Gerber did not appear in the prequel to Jake and the Fat Man, Fat Man 66. See, these are jokes that we didn't have four years ago. Now we can play all our cards. We just had one episode to work off of. Now we got 410 to work off of. And 410 episodes worth of running gags. Oh boy, I'm waiting for us to hit upon somebody in this show that was on wings. I wonder what's going to happen. Greg's going to lose it, obviously. Don't spoil it for the people. Jeez. (laughs) 
And then the second episode, which aired on the same night, presumably as a one-hour premiere episode, is Welcome to Washington Part 2. Nothing really different uh, about uh, Part 2. No new people as guest stars. So we're going to hop over to Episode 3. And oh, this was... Yeah, I think I was gonna say I think we need to buckle down Greg here because I'm sure he's gonna have stuff to say. And it is called Mr. Smith Finds His Brother. Get your Bobo stuff ready, Greg. Mr. Smith takes to the gambling tables of Las Vegas to raise enough money to buy the freedom of his brother Bobo, who is performing in a CD nightclub. Greg, take it away. The floor is yours. Okay, so what are Frank, Tim Cunningham, and Mr. Smith's plan to rescue Bobo is? They're going to have what are Frank Gamble because they figure we're going to play blackjack to raise $100,000 to rescue Bobo and free him from the captors. So they use Mr. Smith's intelligence because he knows how to you know, count cards. So what they have, they have this elaborate system where Mr. Smith will, like, pat his head to, like, hit or, like, tap his shoulders to stand or whatever. It's like some elaborate system they have set up. So, okay. So, it's Leonard Fry, Tim Dunnigan, and Mr. Smith at the table. And while Leonard Fry's winning all this money in blackjack, which attracts this whole big crowd, they're giving drinks to Mr. Smith. And he's drinking all the drinks like, oh, man, these are some good drinks. Like, hmm, you know, going to sip this alcoholic drink down and whatever. So now it's down to, like, the final hand or whatever. So, Leonard Fry is at 18. He's considering standing, just, that's it. And That's what the book says to do. Yeah, that's the smart odds, to stand. But... They want to get Mr. Smith's advice. And Mr. Smith's knocked out. <laughs> so they, they keep... He's knocked out because he's drunk, you see. So they try to keep waking him up, waking him up. And Mr. Smith wakes up and he's like, oh. And it's like, oh, hit me. And he gets a three. You're not going to believe this. He gets a three, giving him 21, giving them the $100,000 to rescue Bobo. And Mr. Smith says, I wasn't raising my hand to hit. I was tired. (laughs) He was drunk as hell, man. Of course he was. And how did this last just 13 episodes? In a perfect world, this and Scorch would have had seven seasons in a movie. We weren't ready. I would love a Mr. Smith movie. I'm sorry. I'm going to see that movie at least ten times. But hey, believe it or not, there's actually a name in this episode. And Greg's going to appreciate this. Playing Morton. Going to assume one of the handlers of uh, Bobo at this seedy nightclub is Peter Van Norden. There's one credit I want to mention, and Greg's going to love it. And he knows exactly who this is once I tell him this. He was John Sununu in The Naked Gun 2 and a half, The Smell of Fear. <laughs> That's right, because remember, John Sununu was George H.W. Bush's chief of staff at the time. 
And I think he had like a semi-integral role in The Naked Gun Two and a Half, communicating with George H.W. Bush uh, in the movie. I don't remember exactly. It's been a long time since I've seen Naked Gun Two and a Half, but I do remember the John Sununo character playing a semi-significant role in the movie. Uh, one of my favorite moments in Naked Gun Two and a Half was remember Norbert was stuck under the bus that went to Detroit, and then. Later in the movie, Frank calls. He's like, "What's Norberg doing in Detroit?" I need to put that on my need to watch list. It's been a long time since I've seen Naked Gun Two and a Half. So many jokes. All right, while you try to get those jokes out of your system, we're going to go to episode four called "Mr. Smith Operates." And actually, in the opening credit sequence, you see Mr. Smith washing his hands like a surgeon, along with other surgeons. Other human surgeons, let's clarify, uh, you know, getting his hands all soaked up, trying to get as germ-free as possible. I don't know if I want a necessarily very hairy orangutan doing surgery on me. Just saying. Mr. Smith offers his assistance during a delicate brain operation on a renowned space scientist. So, okay, in this episode, now I watched this episode. So Ellie, who is the sister of Tommy, has, like, an appendectomy. She has to get her appendix taken out. So, Mr. Smith, I guess, is going to perform the surgery, but first he's got to watch, like, a surgery being performed because he's an orangutan. He's never done a surgery before in his life, even though he's super smart. So, they got to do this big surgery on this scientist guy, and he's going to watch it and have an idea about how the surgery is done. And wacky shenanigans happen. Hilarity ensues. I was going to say, where's hilarity ensues? Wacky shenanigans happen? Is that the new hilarity ensues for the second 400 episodes? I guess that's going to be our new thing for the second 400 episodes. Wacky shenanigans happen. Well, let's see what wacky shenanigans happen in episode five. Oh, shenanigans are going to happen. I see the name of the episode, and I've seen this. Mr. Smith rescues Bobo. Oh, yes! That's a great episode. Mr. Smith tries to rescue his brother Bobo, who is mistakenly kidnapped by foreign agents. (laughs) Greg, just spill your guts. Okay, so... Tommy and Mr. Smith have to sneak Mr. Smith out while Leonard Fry's sleeping. And they plan to switch Bobo with Mr. Smith. And this is in the preview for the episode. You can watch it on YouTube. You can watch the whole thing. And you can watch the cold open leading up to the intro. Leonard Fry asks Tommy, how did you persuade the kidnappers to rescue Bobo? I just gave him Mr. Smith. He just gave him Mr. Smith. Yeah. But hold on. The kidnapper says to Mr. Smith, no human can escape. But remember, Mr. Smith is not a human. So guess what he does? He escapes by climbing. Yes, I remember that episode. And just the entire, like, escape sequence. Very athletic for an orangutan. Going on to episode six, 
this is another one that's on YouTube. This person who uh, uploaded these episodes to YouTube apparently got like a block of, I'm guessing, four or five episodes in a row. Because I remember this one is on YouTube too. Mr. Smith falls in love. Mr. Smith falls for a female orangutan who gives TV weather forecasts, but she in turn falls for Bobo. Wait, that was the episode that you previewed at the cold open. That's right, we did, yeah. No wonder it sounded familiar. So, Mr. Smith's in love with this orangutan that does the weather. And, like, it's amazing. He's trying to court this orangutan. It's like, oh, she's not attracted. How will I get her attracted? Oh, I got an idea. I'll take her to Bobo's room. And let's hear what type of adventures happen between Mr. Smith and the weather orangutan in Bobo's room. Right this way, Mr. Monica. That's it. Just follow me. Come on. That's that's it. Just uh, I'm taking you to a great place. You're going to love it. You're going to love this room, Miss Veronica. Come on. That's it. Up the stairs. Okay, now. Let's see what she thinks of this. Now we're talking, right? See, you can climb. You climb all over it. Huh? Isn't this uh, this, uh, terrific? Look, look at this. Look, you can do this. You can swing. It's a real tree. It's a tree, only it's inside. Huh? What do you say? You could climb. Look, is it as great? Wee! Come on up. Come on, why don't you come up here with me, Miss Veronica? Huh? Wee! Come on. Look what you can do. Look at this. You can do this. Remember? Yeah. Boy, is this terrific. Come on, Miss Veronica. You want to come up here? You want to come up here with me? Wee! Bobo, will you get out of here? Freeze the crowd, Bobo. Bobo, why don't you look? Why don't you go downstairs? Tommy will give you some ice cream, uh, cake, candy, whatever you want. Look, Miss Veronica. Miss Veronica. Hey, look at that. Come here, come on. This will be great. Come on, Miss Veronica. Why don't you come up here? Huh? Look, look at this. See, you go from uh, limbs. It's just like a tree. Just because it's inside doesn't mean it's not a tree. You can swing. Huh? Come on, Miss Veronica. Here, look. See this? What do you think of this? King of the hill. Miss Veronica, where are you going? Bobo, let me have the tree for about two hours. Bobo, listen to me, you're my brother. Bobo, Miss Veronica. Bobo. Okay, I think we need to paint a little picture there as to uh, why Miss Veronica and Bobo were kissing at the end. You could hear that. The audio may not have been terribly good there. So when Bobo entered the room, Bobo and Miss Veronica shared her lollipop. Big lollipop. And they were both going at it. 
And then they walked over to like the futon or whatever was in Bobo's room. Not really a bed. I think it was a futon. And they both sat down on it and they started kissing. So I guess you could say Bobo took Miss Veronica to the candy shop and like the lollipop. First time ever on this podcast we mentioned the rap song Candy Shop. And the last. So yeah, Mr. Smith had good intentions but got his heart broken. He wanted to play on the, the tree that was in Mr. Bobo's room and Veronica wanted nothing to do with it. She wanted oh god, I'm gonna go to hell for this. She wanted Bobo to suck her lollipop. After hearing about Bobo stealing Mr. Smith's lady, I think it's a good time to take a little commercial break. Here are some error appropriate commercials. We'll be back momentarily. Mr. Smith will be right back. I love Christina's eyes, hair, lips. Oh, I love kissing. I could kiss Bob 24 hours a day. <laughs> we asked Christina and Bob what they loved most about each other and close up with fluoride. I love Bob, and I like close up. It tastes cool and fresh. I want clean, fresh bed for myself and for Christina. Everyone wants white teeth. Close up makes my teeth as wide as possible. Close up has everything I want fluoride, fresh breath, and whiteness. Close up toothpaste with fluoride. Don't you owe it to each other? And now, an announcement that can't wait. We have something to tell you. Can't keep it a secret any longer. See, from the very beginning, I knew he was a winner. I felt the same way. So now it's time for everybody in the world to know. Burger King has switched to Pepsi. Burger King and Pepsi, two winning tastes. Together at last? Together at last. <laughs> Are you missing something in your treatment of sinus? Introducing new Maximum Strength Sinutab with Maximum Decongestant to let you breathe again. Maximum Antihistamine to dry up runny nose, watery eyes. Maximum Non-Aspirin Pain Reliever for throbbing headache. New Maximum Strength Sinutab. You can't buy a stronger, more complete sinus remedy without a prescription. New Maximum Strength Sinutab. It's the most you can do for your sinuses. Next, when Jennifer belts a bully, Joey takes all the credit. This could be the new Joey. And guess who gives him the ride of his life? It ain't Julie Andrews. Jennifer slept here. Then George Burns is back as God in the hit comedy that'll make you a believer. Oh, God, book two, next on NBC. Be there. Hey, gang, it's a night game. Memphis State Tigers are going out to Port Division to take on UCLA. Two All-Americans, Keith Lee against Kenny Fields, Saturday night. That will take us to episode 7, Mr. Smith Gets Physical. This is another episode that is on YouTube. And very timely, too. Let's get physical, physical. The Institute puts Mr. Smith on a strict diet and physical fitness regime. Well, I mean, that's sort of like what the title of the episode says. Mr. Smith Gets Physical. So... Yeah, he's getting healthier. In this episode playing Alvin, who I'm going to presume is one of the friends of the kids, of Tommy or Ellie, given his age, is Jeremy Schoenberg. The reason I bring him up, he hasn't done much, but in numerous Charlie Brown, Snoopy, 
Peanuts, movies, and TV shows, he voiced Linus Van Pelt. He voiced Linus. Is this goodbye, Charlie Brown? What have we learned, Charlie Brown? It's Flash Beagle, Charlie Brown. Oh, speaking of timely references to 1983, it's Flash Beagle, Charlie Brown. Snoopy's getting married, Charlie Brown. 17 episodes of the Charlie Brown and Snoopy show. And it's Three Strikes, Charlie Brown. So basically, if you're a person my age, he was the Linus of your childhood. Going on to episode eight, which is titled Goodbye, Mr. Smith. Mr. Smith's superior intelligence begins to dwindle when he catches a cold. So Mr. Smith is like slowly losing his memory and everyone's like, oh, man, Mr. Smith, he's going to be an ordinary ape again. Oh, man, because Mr. Smith has like this fever, right? So they just confirm that Bobo has like a fever later on in the episode, too. So what they discover is... Mr. Smith did not read the proper directions on the pill for his, like, cough or flu or whatever. He was directed to take one pill every eight hours. Mr. Smith thought he was supposed to take eight pills every hour, which is why he was losing his memory. Oh, Mr. Smith. You know, you have an almost 300 IQ, Mr. Smith, but you can't properly read a diagnosis on a bottle in 1983. Well, they were probably still using typewriters on those prescriptions. Also, who never said he didn't have, like, dyslexia or something, where he just rearranged the numbers? Or not necessarily dyslexia, but dyscalculia. That's the numeric version of dyslexia. Not only is this show entertaining, but we're also occasionally educational. You're welcome, everybody. There's no guest stars of note in that episode, so we're going to go to episode 9, which is titled, Mr. Smith Loses a Friend. The will of a deceased colleague requests that Mr. Smith deliver the eulogy at his funeral. And, I'm sorry, given it's Mr. Smith and maybe if Bobo's involved, they're putting the fun back in funeral. But the funny part about this, because I watched this episode Oh, this is on YouTube? Yes! Here's the funny part again. Mr. Smith, the guy he worked with, his wife had no idea the person he worked with was an orangutan. So they tried to slowly break it down. Mr. Smith, who's speaking at his funeral, is an orangutan. And when she sees Mr. Smith... I'm guessing weird shenanigans ensue. Let's listen to what happens. Is there anything I can get you? A glass of water, perhaps? Why is it, I wonder, we always offer someone in distress a glass of water? As you wish. So. <clears throat> I uh, understand Professor Trumbull had certain specific wishes regarding his funeral. Oh, yes. He wanted it to be here at the Institute Chapel. And it was his specific wish that your Mr. Smith deliver the eulogy. That was all. Hmm. I see. Yes. Well... For myself, I ask only that it be dignified, Mr. Holyoke. Yes. The old-fashioned notion of the funeral as spectacle, extravaganza, 
Frankly, I've always found that vulgar. Tacky, tacky, tacky. All I want is quiet, good taste. Aha. Uh -huh. Of course, taste is totally subjective. What one person finds vulgar... I'm just hoping that your Mr. Smith will set the proper tone. He'll set a tone. That's one thing Mr. Smith does. Everyone's agreed on that. He sets a tone. Then I don't see there's anything more to be discussed. Right, right. Uh, listen, got a minute? I was just thinking, maybe I should show you a picture of Mr. Smith. A picture? I don't need to see a picture of him, Mr. Holyoke. We are talking about the same Mr. Smith my husband specified, I trust. Oh, yes, absolutely. There's no danger of mistaking him. For another Mr. Smith, I mean. All right, then. Maybe I should describe him. Very well, Mr. Holyoke. Describe him to me. What does he look like? Well, he's quite hairy. To begin with, rather hairy. My late husband had a beard also. That's probably why they were good friends. They had so much in common. Less than you think, I think. Mr. Holyoke, this is ridiculous. This is tiring. This is unnecessary. And this is Mr. Smith. <laughs> Mike, can you describe what the drawing of Mr. Smith is? He's got his arms crossed. He's wearing a suit. His arms are like not normally crossed. It's like he's grabbing the elbow of one arm with his other hand for both his left and right elbows, but it's like really tight. And I'm sorry that my eyes are focused on his slacks because. He's not standing at a normal angle. He's not standing straight up. He's sort of like, I don't know if he's trying to do a split there or what. He looks like he's posing for an early 90s rap album. <laughs> so he just beat the trend by about eight years. TJ, Mr. Smith in the house. So I'm sure at the funeral, weird shenanigans did happen when Mr. Smith gave the eulogy. That's going to take us to episode 10, which is called Mr. Smith Plays Cyrano. Tommy asks Mr. Smith for courtship advice after falling for a lovely doctor. Wait. Tommy is dating a doctor? How old is Tommy in this? Tim Dunnigan was born in 55, so he'd be about 28 at this point. So that makes sense. I just thought... The young handler, when the, I read the description earlier, he was a young kid. No, he's uh, actually a grown adult in this uh, series. But also remember, too young to play a Vietnam veteran. Yeah, you're not really wrong there. Playing the doctor that Tommy was smitten with is Jane Badler. Jane Badler, among other things, was Miss New Hampshire back in the 70s, and she competed in the Miss America pageant in 1972. Oh! But also she played Diana on V, the original miniseries, and V, the TV series. That's right. Oh, spoiler, they're lizards. Great, now I have no reason to watch a 40-year-old miniseries. But also, again, to make it timely, 
V was a very big thing in 1984, 85. So she was a thing back in the early to mid 80s. We're going to go to episode 11, which is titled Mr. Smith Makes a Commercial. Mr. Smith appears in a TV commercial to get his dim-witted brother Bobo out of a scrape. Bobo! Bobo, what are you doing? I'm surprised that there's actually a functional relationship between Mr. Smith and Bobo after Bobo stole Miss Veronica, the weather orangutan, from Mr. Smith a number of episodes ago. They must have short-term memories, those orangutans. And that episode's not on YouTube, so we can't really comment about what happened. But we can comment about who played Bud on this episode, eventual Hall of Famer, because we've talked about him plenty, including in the not-so-distant past, Luis Avalos. Oh, yes. Where could we start? We have said so many things about him. I mean, we could start at the electric company. That's a good place to start. But... We talked about him on Condo. We've talked about him on E slash R, the comedy. Many episodes. Episode 12 is called Mr. Smith Goes Public. A Washington reporter uncovers the truth about Mr. Smith. What truths are there to put out there? He's an orangutan? He's smarter than 99.999% of the government? What's being exposed here? In this episode, we have two humongous names. The first one playing Dr. Breckenridge in this episode is Don Amici. I don't think we need to say who Don Amici is. He is a Hollywood legend. Probably best known for Cocoon, which would have been two years later. But he did so much stuff in a very long career. The other name a much more recent Hollywood superstar. This character does not have a name, but going to guess again, he's a friend of Ellie's, given his age. He was credited as Leaf Phoenix, but you know him better as Joaquin Phoenix. That's right. The Joker himself. Among other things, the Joker... In Gladiator, obviously, we all know who he is. So we have Hollywood royalty from long ago, and we have Hollywood royalty from the last 20 years or so, or even less. And that's going to take us to the final episode, which this is probably the unaired episode because I could not find anything about it, and actually no air date is given on IMDb. It's called Mr. Smith Goes to Court. So we got to assume what this episode was about. Maybe Mr. Smith had some unpaid parking tickets and he had to go to court. Oh, I had a better one. I, I thought he went to court. His lawyer was Tim Misney. And after uh, they settled the case, you had Doug Llewellyn saying, what did you think about the judge's verdict? Well, it's timely. 1983, People's Court. It works. Okay, maybe it doesn't work. But that's the show. I have the ratings for just about every week, and it's not good. For the first week, there were 56 shows, and this came in at 46th. 
ahead of some big names though ahead of different strokes ahead of silver spoons ahead of ncaa football in prime time miami versus notre dame so this would have been the national championship season for miami that would have been with would that have been jim kelly at the helm no bernie bernie was the quarterback bernie oh i thought bernie was uh, a year or two later okay yeah, Jim Kelly would have gotten drafted by the Bills and went to the USFL with the Gamblers. Okay. Uh, also, uh, again, another more popular show that uh, did worse in the ratings, Archie Bunker's Place, which by this point, I'm guessing this is a rerun because it was gone in 83. So this may have been like literally the last episode of Archie Bunker's Place on CBS. If we look at future weeks, the following week, 65 shows that came in 52nd, uh, ahead of Manimal. Wow! And Ripley's Believe It or Not. Believe it or not. We got the two shows from 1983 Greg can do. He could do the Manimal RAR, and he could do the Ripley's Believe It or Not Jack Palance show mention. Hold on. I wonder if Mr. Smith had any coin. It was by Menon. All the Jack Palance jokes. All right. I'm waiting for something about uh, city slickers now. Or maybe Mr. Smith did a one-handed push-up at some point. Oh, like he did at the Oscars. Right. That was a great moment. But just taking a look at the ratings overall, it was in the bottom 20% the entire season. Looking at the week of October 10th to the 16th, out of 66 shows, it ranked 58th. Manimal was 59th, and actually a previous installment, the Coneheads animated special, was second to last that week. And uh, again, future weeks, 59th out of 70 shows, 65th out of 68 shows. That's not good, 65th out of 68. 63rd out of 67 shows, 60th out of 64 shows. So now we're talking about lowest 10%. So now we know why this is gone in 13 weeks. 64th out of 65 shows. And the only show that did worse is something we talked about back on the original episode that just stunk up the joint in 1983 for NBC. First Camera, which was like the updated name for the TV version of Monitor. Yeah, the ratings here are absolutely just pitiful. And it's amazing because this show was heavily hyped out the wazoo. And we mentioned in the original episode how we compared it like 28 years later to Whitney and how NBC like hyped the hell out of that. And this show is much better than Whitney now that we've seen it. I think it's just a victim of bad scheduling. I do have the ratings for the last week. Just as a final sort of death blow. 63rd out of 65 shows. 64th being the aforementioned first camera. 65th being an ABC News special report, The Pope and His Vatican. So, yeah. I think the Friday night lineup killed it. But also, if we do take a look at the listings, 
there is a little bit more that killed it too, like the competition, because we're talking about a Friday in 1983. And I think we've covered this enough. We talked about it when we did uh, Jennifer Slept Here Revisited about what aired on Friday nights, and it was not good. For the premiere episode on ABC, you had Benson in the first half hour, and this would have been like season five of Benson, I believe. And you had Webster, and this would have been the first or second season of Webster. But on CBS, and we talked about this in the Jennifer Slept Here episode, you had the Dukes of Hazard, and this would have been the return of Bo and Luke Duke because they settled their contract dispute. No more Coy and Vance. So, yeah, people are watching Bo and Luke Duke return and not those fake Dukes boys. Yeah, screw the Duke boys. The fake Duke boys. The fake yeah. Duke boys, yeah. So I think the writing was on the wall from the beginning. People are going to watch Benson. People love Robert Guillaume. People love Dukes of Hazard, Catherine Bach, and Tom Wopat and John Schneider. Mr. Smith, as adorable as he is, as funny as this was at times, as good as Leonard Fry was, just didn't stand a chance. And unfortunately for that reason, that's why Mr. Smith, for a second time, was just a thing on TV. Yeah, but at least we got Mr. Smith and Alder Fry at the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade in 83. And we got more than enough Leonard Fry on Match Game Hollywood Squares in not just 1983, but 1984 when he wasn't credited with being on Mr. Smith. And actually, I believe that was actually sort of the genesis as to why we covered this show was for Mr. Smith, Leonard Fry, it's like, Okay, we need to see what Mr. Smith is, and we need to like do a bit of a deep dive on it. Well, now we did a deep dive, and now we did even a deeper dive, if you think about it. So, Greg, I don't know if you necessarily want to do this by yourself, but you want to play a little eBay Prices Right? Sure. All right, let's hit the music then. Is this the photo of Leonard Fry, Mr. Smith, and Bobo? No, this is even better. Looking on eBay right now, there's actually a number of products that are Mr. Smith related or Mr. Smith branded. That's right, because he had an annual, I remember. I don't have the annual, but what I do have, among other things, I have a wallet. A child's billfold or wallet with Mr. Smith on it from Paramount Pictures, 1983. And it says rare. Well, yeah, it's rare because nobody bought this thing back in 1983. Let me give you a little description about it. In very good condition, Mr. Smith Kids Wallet from the Mr. Smith TV show that aired in the 80s comes from a smoke-free environment. And do you want to see a picture of this? Yeah, sure. Why is he on the phone on this wallet? 
I'm just the messenger. I don't know why he's on the phone. Maybe he's calling you know, somebody at the White House saying, hey, I got a good idea about uh, some foreign policy or something. I don't know. But yeah, he's on the phone. And I can't read what it says with the glare, but it looks like it's a, an actual licensed item because uh, I see a copyright on there and it says Paramount Pictures Corporation. So this isn't some fan-made thing. This is actually like the real deal, legit, something that was made in some capacity. So here's what we're going to do since Chico has left us. We're going to do clock game style, okay? All right. And we'll put 30 seconds on the clock. And the clock will start with your first bid, okay? Okay. Dollars and cents, right? Dollars and cents, yes. Okay. $15.99. Higher. $19.99. Higher. $24.99. Higher. $33.99. Higher. $49.99. Lower. $45. Lower. $40. Lower. $38. Higher. $39. Higher. $39.99. That's it. You had eight seconds left. $39.99 if you want this. But the amazing thing is, this isn't even the only licensed item that's on eBay from Mr. Smith. I see on here a pair of Mr. Smith sunglasses by Ja Ru Toys, $34.99. Wait, I didn't know Ja Rule had his own toy line before he became a rapper. I'll take it, but I meant Ja Ru. Oh. Uh, also, taking a look here at other things. Mr. Smith Lab Set, also by Ja Ru, $21.24. And another Lab Set for $9.99. And a Money Set. And I, apparently, looking at this, this is from Hong Kong. A Money Set, again, still sealed packaging, also by Ja Ru, $14.99. And one of those puzzles, uh, if you remember the puzzles where you had to move the pieces, the little squares and there was one that was like missing do you remember those the sliding puzzles if you saw it you know what i'm talking about but if you want a mr smith one of those 1999 with free shipping but also there's photos there's uh transparency up there and there's a script for the pilot so there's a lot of mr smith stuff out there all right, now I think we can officially close the book on Mr. Smith. Remember, you can always go to our website over at itwasthingontv.com where you can listen to the previous 410 episodes that preceded this episode. We've got all sorts of great bonuses there, including mini-sodes, live shows, extended versions of previous shows, the whole works. Also, remember, we're on all social media, including Instagram, Threads, and Mastodon over at It Was A Thing On TV. But please remember, on Facebook, we're at It Was A Thing on TV Podcast. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever fine podcasts can be streamed, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Audible, Stitcher. We're everywhere. And also, don't forget, we are on YouTube where you can like and subscribe to our channel. And don't forget to hit the notification bell on YouTube to be informed of all future uploads on the channel, including what's coming up next time on Thursday. We're going to talk about another short-lived TV show. Not long after the main character's previous TV show, 
ended. It is a very similar theme to a show that we did about a year or so ago. Similar plot, not a similar ending by any means. But again, this might be a case of lost in translation, potentially. Not that the show was done overseas, but maybe, but because possibly comedy from overseas doesn't translate over here. I don't know. But we'll talk about that more on Thursday. As always, thank you for listening. Please be kind to each other, stay safe, and we'll give you episode 412 on Thursday. Wow! Now stay tuned for the animated special, The Coneheads, with the voices of your favorite personalities from Saturday Night Live. Then a killer in the wings could bring down the curtain for Manimal. Later on Love and Honor, a forbidden love drives Sergeant Allard into the arms of another woman. All on NBC. Be there.